Hello again and welcome to the Les Represent podcast where we interview wonderful individuals that are female identifying queer and of marginalized genders about their stories, their experiences, their projects, and just to get to know someone from our beautiful community because who better represents you than you? Uh, a bit of an update before we start. Uh, we now have a Patreon. Yay! This will help us cover the cost of the show and help us hopefully get started a nice little monthly giveaway with goodies by our lovely creators in the queer community. Uh, we definitely want to pay and support them for this. So, you know, for as low as a dollar a month, you can get access to bloopers, eruptions, as some would call them, conversations that didn't make it into the episode, um, even some early access to some episodes whenever I get around to uploading them. Uh, and of course, if there's anything else you guys would be interested in, feel free to email us at lesrepresentpodcast.yahoo.com and DM us on Twitter. And if you have a story or a project or even just something you want to talk about, just something, a burning desire that you feel like is not being talked about enough, feel free to DM us and we can see if we can get you a spot on here. And now, without further ado, let us get to our lovely guest. I am super, super excited to be talking to them today, and I'm just going to let them introduce themselves. All right. Well, my name is Chris Chesson. I am the co-host of the Bad Queers podcast and also the global events manager at Her Social App. And my name is Shayna. I am the other co-host of the Bad Queers podcast, and I am the head of community at her app. Now, yeah. now before we get into the questions of who you guys are individually, can I can I ask more questions about your podcast and what it is like for people that don't know it? How would you describe it to somebody? Absolutely. Uh, so Bad Queers is a podcast for people who feel like they came out of the closet and got placed in a box of stereotypes that they don't belong to. We get to sit and basically have fun with the LGBTQ plus experience and break it down in a way that allows people to fully feel like they can just be their unapologetic selves without these stereotypes that they didn't sign up for. So we go through the podcast and talk about definitions. We break down news that you should have heard about, but the news doesn't cover it. We give advice, which take it or leave it, honestly. And uh, we share <laughs> our unpopular queer opinions uh, in our unpopular queer opinion segment. And at the end, we always give shout outs to local brands, people who are doing great, and just overall people that you should know about within the LGBTQ plus community. Ooh, that's, that is a lot. I would love to ask all the questions on how you guys even go through to comb through all of that information, because there's so much going on in our community. Like there is so, so much. Like I've been I've been doing this podcast for almost two years and I still don't know what's going on. Like, I still have people come up to me and be like, did you hear about this thing? And I'd be like, how did I not know about it? How old is it? <laughs> like, where, how, yeah. how do you have the time anymore? And I think that's almost an amazing thing because I remember back in high school, I literally read all of, like, let me put let me completely throw myself out as a nerd but i read all of the comic books that i could find that had gay characters in it while i was in high school <laughs> and i was like there's nothing else for me to consume what am i supposed to do and here i am now and i can't even figure out what tv show i want to watch because there's there's too much of it almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like a wealth of uh, content now i couldn't in my wildest little queer dreams think that i could just 
have all this queer content at, at the at my fingertips. But uh, as far as like operations, you know, our our pre-production uh, meetings before we record are pretty pretty great. Uh, we don't talk about topics until um, recording day, and just like, you know, Shana will have a bad queer opinion that I'm just like, this is this is funny, this is amazing, and vice versa, or. Uh, she'll see stories or bring stories that I haven't heard of. So that's the beauty of it. But also it's kind of built in with it being the Bad Queers podcast that we're not going to cover everything. We are not setting ourselves up to be, (laughs) you know, the queer gold standard. And and that's kind of the beauty of our podcast because I think that there are a lot of um, queer folks within our community that probably don't feel as connected or, or, um, feel as look on brand with what we know is the queer community and that that manifests in so many different ways uh you know within our community so we kind of have it built in with the backwards podcast that we don't <laughs> we don't know everything and our experiences our takes our opinions are fully shaped by where we grew up how we grew up how we see the world um Shana and I are both from Virginia but she's from northern Virginia and I'm from uh southeastern Virginia which are t- Two totally different worlds, but we also a lot of commonalities. Um, so yeah, there's. I mean, it's we explore all that. I think that all comes out through the the podcast and just seeing things in a different way. I've definitely had some uh, bad queer opinions that even my coworkers had comments about, which has been cool. <laughs> but that's the beauty. Like, let's have a com- conversation about it. You know, I think everyone's kind of uh, opinions and perspectives uh, matter. And, you know, I think that uh, the beauty of the internet in this current time is that we just see that there is a, um, there's so much diversity within just the community and things that we don't know. So yeah, we're in a good time. We're in a good time right now. I think, uh, you know, in our podcast is just trying to highlight that. I think that is absolutely fantastic. That is so wonderful. Being of small town Texas, I don't know anything about Virginia. I will be real with you. I know nothing (laughs) about it. I know almost nothing about most things outside of Texas, actually. That sounds very Texas. Yeah, that's that's actually on brand for Texas. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair, you could drive like four hours in any direction and still be in Texas. So it's a thick state. It's It's a very thick Thick. Yeah. Thick. Yeah. Two thick seats. Steak. Yeah. It's That's a great. thick steak. You know, it's steak. <laughs> <laughs> a thick steak. Like it just is. It's just very meaty, but it's very flat as well. I do enjoy what what uh small town are you from, Erica? Oh dear. Are we talking about birth or where I originate now? I guess Ooh. it's kind of because I've I've moved around a lot and it's sad to say, regardless of what small town you move to. Mm-hmm. Every single downtown area looks exactly the same, which mm. is just so weird. Like every historical, like it literally all of them are historical downtown areas and every mm. single one of them looks the same. So it feels like I've almost not moved anywhere to be. I rare. was like on the scale of varsity blues to Friday night lights. Like where did, where does your small town kind of fall with that? Like, is it oh, like football is king kind of town? Like it, what, what kind of Texas small town do you have and what's the the nearest big city to the small town that you claim as like the hometown (laughs) well (laughs) I would say to where I reside now the closest city is like the DFW Metroplex which is fantastic that's 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 where I went to college that's what I consider my home Mm -hmm. at this point of time in chaos it's iffy whether or not I claim it to be fair Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) but 
it yeah dfw is basically the place i would call i would call home but i lived i've lived in like the small towns around dfw for probably the last oh my god it's been 10 years you guys ever Ooh, have a moment when you're sitting there and you're just like whoa it's been 10 years <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> yes yes my goodness yeah okay all right dallas fort worth area is cool i like dallas Dallas, I like Dallas a lot. I I definitely like Dallas too. It, it's yeah. big enough that it has its gay community, and the Dallas gay community is is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. But it's at the same time, it's like at that it's at the cusp of East Texas, which is where the Bible Belt is. Mm-hmm. So you still <laughs> see, you still see so many different kinds of people, like within an hour drive of yeah. either direction. It's like completely different people, and maybe this is why I'm not like too to um like i don't know it's hard for me to pick texas stereotypes because as i said you drive an hour in any direction and the people are almost completely different mm-hmm. like i can see that like you head out west and there are the things that we call mountains that you will find out when you leave texas those, those are not mountains those are just hills <laughs> um i still can't believe that at all i went to washington and they were like these are mountains and i was like holy freaking god <laughs> I can imagine that being just like, oh, wow, those are real mountains. Those, like, are, those are real. They have wow. snow. <laughs> I don't even see snow, but once a year here. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, it's, it's like a developed. different culture of people mm-hmm. everywhere you go. It's... Yeah, it, Dallas is interesting to me. Be, uh, the first time I went, they, I did notice just how many churches there were around. Oh, and I grew God. up in, you know, Virginia has a lot of churches and it's it's religious. But, whew, yeah, it's it's so many churches just everywhere in Dallas and the surrounding areas. So that that did stick out. I was just like, okay, all right. Well, that is that yeah. is true. There is so many so many churches and you know that doesn't actually change when you go out of the city like there's still a crap ton of churches the small towns i live in there's at least a minimum of five churches yeah yeah whichever town i've ever lived in and the only thing that's different really is the type of churches it is because when Mm -hmm. you go further out into the east where you're further away from the big city the churches are most are usually 100 percent christian but from there it's usually like either Methodist or Baptist, depending on which direction you go. And that's the only thing I've seen that's really stuck. I mean, Mm -hmm. the further, sometimes when you go further, further out, um, you'll get to this really interesting part where it's like between two towns and there'll be like billboards that talk about like, Jesus is the way you have to repent. You're a sinner, yada, yada. And then you will see that random gas station in the middle of the nowhere that's connected to a sex store. Yeah, yeah. Just a Texas, just is a, just in case, just a little, just a little sprinkle of spice in there between the the Jesus billboards, just to let, exactly. <laughs> just, to let you know, just to let you know. Look, it, I mean, it's Texas though. Like that, that's Texas is so funny to me because again, before I went, my my best friend lives in Texas with her wife, and I would always joke her about. We would just go back and forth because she loves. She's from Dallas. Uh, went to school in the D.C. area, went to Howard, and then moved back to Dallas, um, the Dallas Fort Worth area. And we had these California versus like Texas debates, even though she loves California. But once I went down there. I really like, I don't even talk about Texas anymore. Like I just, it's, you know, the people are great. Like I, 
it is a red state. I know in some areas and mo- mostly the metropolitan areas, they are turning blue in Houston and in Dallas and ways, but it's just a nice state. And it's, it's, it um, makes me miss the South uh, since I am in my, my liberal bubble in the Bay here, but just how just people are just sweet. Like, yeah, you know, not everybody is on the same page about things, but it's the, the sweetness of the South. Um, and like Texas is really that and just really Southern sweet. So I just, I love Texas. I well Dallas, I'll say so. Yeah. 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 It's all, it's all fun and games until you start, until you start talking about sports, then people show their true colors really fast. Very true. Very true. I could see that. I could see that. So I would actually like to know, this is completely off topic, but what is your guys' debate when it comes to, like, the South and then Texas being technically, quote-unquote, the West? Do you guys Ooh. agree with that? Because I always, I always was like, I always thought that Texas as the South, and then they were like, no, 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 you're not the South, you're, you're the West. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Geography-wise, well, we're South, I don't get it. Yeah. It's really funny because, like, when I look at the South, I look at that whole like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, but obviously don't count Florida because Florida is not the South. I hear Florida that Florida is just, is just its own entity. There. Exactly. So That's Florida true. is just its own thing that's hanging out. And Texas is like has that Western vibe of yeah. what people think is like the classic West. And so people usually don't think of Texas as the South. It's just has because it has that like western entity that's where i think they think it's the west but geographically that doesn't make sense either but at this point things are made up and (laughs) we can just point out whatever they want to be but i whenever i think of the south i never think of texas like at all because texas has its own vibe and its own category yeah i would yeah texas is the like like the new york of the south it's kind of its own oh standalone God. like new york is like the north but not really like i would consider like new hampshire and maine and like vermont you know, and all that yeah, yeah that's the that's the northeast for real like new york is its own thing and new york city is its own thing but i always looked at texas in in football terms and in probably sports terms i've always looked at it as as the south i've considered it the south because just I don't know. I guess because it was, you know, it, it always had powerhouse um, recruits coming out of there. And a lot of like what I I saw of Texas before I actually went, I resonated with as a Southerner. So, I mean, every Southern state is very, vastly different. Like Virginia is debatably not the South to some Southerners. Like they're like, uh, no, Virginia is where, where <laughs> I'm from is not you are not yeah y'all aren't south <laughs> northern virginia is not the south it's and so not that's also south. where that breaks it where chris is from was in the south where i was in virginia it was not the south so that's yeah. also where that yeah but you're well. still south of the mason dixon line nobody so cares because that's made up still also made up <laughs> that is awesome you know but yeah, you are Northern south of virginia. the mason dixon line so technically you're still part of the south but even yes within virginia northern virginia is not considered virginia at all uh not not at all um but no texas is the south to me like because the west now that i live out west like it's I don't, I think that's its own thing too. Like I think I've been to Phoenix. I've now been to Portland and I have been to Seattle and like, I'm like, no, this is the West. Like I, I just think with Cowboys and Indians and the Dallas Cowboys being what it is and just like 
cowboys in general like you think of texas as a west but i i consider it more south than west so that's my answer i would think i would almost i would accept i would accept texas being like the southern florida minus the gators even though even though we do have gators here but still do you really oh yeah there's gators in texas oh yeah there's gators in texas where wait okay so wait okay Gators are, are so now just I'm just thinking in my head geographically. So Texas, Louisiana, does Alabama and Mississippi also have gators? I do not yeah. know. I would like to I'm think anywhere I'm there's a big they do. anywhere there's a big river, I would assume there's a gator. That is just wild to me. Gators are just I am still fascinated by it. Just gators in general. My wife is from Florida and from Fort Lauderdale, and I just, amongst all of the Florida jokes that I have, um, I'm just like, you guys are really living with dinosaurs, though. Like honestly, like you guys are living with vicious dinosaurs, um, and I just think that that's interesting. Wow, gators! I did not know gators are in Texas, but of yep. course, they probably have guns as well. Yep. <sighs> yes, guns everywhere. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. I personally, oh, okay. I personally do not have guns, and that is because they're expensive, and I don't have money for that. Like, mm-hmm. of all the things I could spend money on, like, I could buy my cats, like, a really fancy-ass cat tree for that same amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you keep, you keep saving up for the cat tree. They're, they're waiting. That's the next Christmas gift for them. But, yeah. I've Gators get... in Texas. <laughs> well, let's move on to what we brought we here today because I love tangents, I love side stories but at the same time I feel like we should also talk about gay things because isn't that why we're all here really? Always. <laughs> okay. So can you guys tell me about the first time you became aware as queer as a thing like either gay or lesbian or just any the first, the first time you actually became aware of something outside the spectrum of straight. Hmm. Shannon, you want to go first? Yeah. So mine was definitely, I was thinking about this before and I thought it was like one moment. And then when I actually came to, it was much earlier than that. And it definitely came through film. It was one of those at a sleepover and we were watching, oh, I had the name of it earlier, but it was the one where it was like the Reese Witherspoon and, uh, I think it's Jennifer or something, but she had like the dark hair and that was the first time that they like showed a kiss in the movie and it had like the awkward spit string that went through. What movie is this? I know, I'm thinking like, oh man, I'm gonna be so upset if I like can't think of it, but it was a very specific movie that everybody still like looks back on and we watched it at a sleepover and that was the first time where I was like, wait a second girls and kiss girls what does this mean what is what is happening and obviously i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up as chris gives her answer but it's that was movie culture was where that more so came through because that was when we just got to sneak around and watch movies that we wouldn't have been able to watch at home and that was definitely one and so that was when i kind of came became aware of it I'm going to look this up while you're yeah, talking. Yeah, I was like, please look at that title because you look were like, up. I would look up lesbian kiss, kiss string, like spit string and everything you described there. Um, I think the first time, 
Mine, mine is actually similar to Shayna's, um, but the first kind of moment was uh, in kindergarten when I was going home and waiting for the afternoon bus. Um, a girl came up and kissed me. Nice. And I went home and told my mom, and they just acted really weird about it. Like they were like, "What? Like that's like no, that's a, I like don't let that happen to you." And I was just like, "Okay." <laughs> and then like. Uh, I would watch a lot of movies, so like In and Out was probably my first queer movie that I saw, and I was like, "Oh, okay, like guys could be together and everything." Okay, okay. Um, and then yeah, just kind of on a movie odyssey. I also, as a kid, used to sneak and watch like real sex on on Thursdays, like HBO, and like they would every now and then have a segment where I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, lesbian." That's the word. that's the word I'm looking for is lesbian (laughs) so a lot of my movies were queer uh cis uh gay men um early on with in and out the birdcage um there's probably a color couple of other things but again I had a moment uh in kindergarten that happened uh definitely saw the reaction to it from my parents was uh, negative, and then like that was reinforced in in cinema with like, oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. I see what's going on here. So, yeah, that's when I was aware of it. So, definitely between the ages of like five and seven, like where it's that Odyssey. I probably knew the term lesbian probably at least by seven years old. Where I was like, oh, okay, makes okay, okay, that's that's me, and all that. So, <laughs> and I found the movie. It was Cruel Intentions. Cruel Intentions. Cruel Intentions. Okay. I said Jessica somebody. It was Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. What yeah. Okay. Because yes. I was like. So that was the movie. I was, you yeah. know, I always forget that Reese Witherspoon was in that movie because I, I believe back then I had a serious Sarah Michelle Geller crush. So I literally, <laughs> I was not allowed to watch that movie. Reese was She was really good in that too. Sarah Michelle Geller. Mm-hmm. She was really good in that. So, yeah. So, mm. yeah, that was, that was the film that brought yeah, it in. I think was in there. Are you guys willing to share your coming out stories? Yeah, for sure. Um, mine was a lengthy one. Uh, I came out after graduating college and I had moved to Illinois uh, for my first big kid job. And so while I was there, that was when I was like, I'm going to own this opportunity. I'm going to come out. I'm going to tell people. And I had like this whole process of how I was going to tell people it was like, start with friends, see do a little temperature check on what that's going to look like. Um, But it came to one day I was just sitting on my futon in my apartment and I just slammed close my laptop and said, oh shit. And that was like the moment that I was like, man, I've just accepted the fact that I'm gay and now I need to tell somebody. But then again, I didn't tell anybody for like a month and a half after I came to that conclusion, even though there's lots of things that obviously happened before and you look back and you're like, well, here was every queer moment that I've had in life. And so I went about and started texting a few friends and telling them, like I told my best friends and they were great. And then I told my friends from college and they were like, yeah, duh, missed that. So I waited after that and was like, great, everything's going well. I'll slowly start to tell coworkers and things like that. Um, and six months later, I waited to tell, start telling people in my family. And my brother and I are big fans of comedians. Like, we both watch comedians together. And so this is when I think, like, Giphy first started. Or, like, you could send links of YouTube videos first started. And I sent him every skit 
of our favorite comedian that talked about anything gay. I just sent him <laughs> those links and those gifts and said, hey, I have something to tell you and sent all of those through and then just waited. And that was how like I came out to my brother and he was just like, oh, yeah, like I knew oh, hilarious God. how you told me, but <laughs> he was just I hate like... that. <laughs> Like, everybody who I talked to knew. Um, and so then I thought telling him was great and that the next person I would tell was my mom, and it'd go well. So she had come out to visit me since I'd been there, and we had had a great week. We'd gone to a Beyonce concert, bought some stuff from my place. Like, things were looking good. I was like, yeah, we set the scene. We're good. So I used my brother's upcoming wedding as a way to talk about who I would marry. And I let slip that I was like, oh, what if who I married wasn't who you thought it would be. And she was like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, what if I wanted to marry a woman? And it just got so tense. It was like, you just threw like a blanket of tension in the room and you just couldn't move. And I thought it was going to go really well with my mom. So now she's good, up to date, cool with it, loves my girlfriend. But at the time, oh my God, that was a whole process. So then I didn't tell my dad until two years later when I was living abroad on the very last day that they were visiting at the last very moment because he had walked me to the bus stop. And then I just like let it slip that I was gay. And he was like, okay, cool. Ah. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I waited all of this time. Which thinking on it, I'm sure my mom may have said something or whatever else. And he was just like, whatever. But yeah, it was a lengthy, lengthy coming out process on my end. And now can't really hide it. So it's a wonderful thing to be like, all right. Yes, I took that long road so that now I could. Uh, it's like I'm a professional gay, so I really can't hide from any of that. Professional gay. <laughs> I love that. Tell me there's an official plaque somewhere where you work that just says official gay. Oh, it would, but then I have my What Would Beyonce Do plaque. So one day it's going to say professional gay. I, I mean, <laughs> priorities. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so I came out to my sisters and my brother first. This was uh, spring semester of freshman year in college. I I knew um, early on that I was going to go off to college. So I went to uh, college in the D.C. area, which is about four hours away from home. And I knew I wanted to come out and be my own person uh, in college. So I did. And yeah, I was ready to tell the family um, since, you know, I went to school and I was out pretty immediately in college. Uh, I wanted to let people at home know. So I let my sisters and brothers know. And they were, um, as, as Shana mentioned uh, with her experience, they were just like, oh, yeah, we knew. And I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, chill out. <laughs> and some of my friends also said the same, like, oh, yeah, like, Okay. Yeah. Like I, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um, and then it came to telling my mom and somehow my two sisters, older sisters talked me into sending her an email at work. Uh, so, so I did and, uh, had a whole just, you know, uh, it was it was several paragraphs long, and I sent it off to her because their rationale was she can't get mad at work, which is true, um, and she did it. But uh, she said that was the hardest day at work. Uh, she had to she had to step into the bathroom a couple times and cry. Um, oh. She was never angry. A lot of people go immediately to uh, the sex part of it, so she had a lot of questions and she didn't really understand. Um, I remember asking me, is it, is it about, is it like boobs you like it? Like boobs and like 
all that. And I was like, well, no, it's not about that. But yes, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Separately, yes, like two things could be true (laughs) and all that. But uh, so she had a lot of um, she had a lot of questions along those lines. It was a lot of days of us having a conversation and her either crying or saying, I'm just going to I'm going to pray for you. Um, and I never really kind of let up with like, this is just how it's going to go. Um, and how I explained it to her is how I felt as a, as a closeted kid. I was like, I gave you 12, what at that point, not 12 years. I'm thinking of grades. (laughs) I was like, I gave you 12 grades of, (laughs) um, no, I gave you 18 years of being in the closet and being a good girl. I was like, I even went to two proms. Like I didn't want to go to mine and I had to end up going to a, a coworker, uh, a coworker of her son's prom. So I was like, I did the things <laughs> and all that. And like, now I'm living my life. Like you have to accept this. And I think because uh, I was pretty adamant about this, not changing and being the same person. And because my sisters did, you know, they, they were having separate conversations with her. Um, yeah. The conversations just started to change. It took her probably, probably over a year for it to be all the way kosher where it's, you know, she's not saying like, she's still going to pray that I meet a great guy. Um, she used to cry because I was like, don't waste that prayer. Um, <laughs> and, like, and I would think it's funny. And then she would start crying again. And I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but then she got over it. And I think, you know, I don't think I told you this, Shana, because Shayna loves Ellen and all that and will, is a proud defender of De- Ellen. But Ellen was just starting her show at the time. And I think that was um, helpful and instrumental for a lot of folks, uh, I would think, if they think about it, with, like, just people being accepting of, like, okay, like, here's a, a successful queer woman. Um, and she's likable and she's funny. And, you know, she she wears, uh, she's kind of masculine of center. Um, but she's great. And I think that that kind of helped and yeah now my mom would march in a pride parade and um the conversation with my dad I told him a lot later because he said a lot of homophobic homophobic things growing up so I always thought uh I would just tell him later and I did and by that time he he like knew and all that so the biggest thing I've had to explain to my dad is that I don't want to be a man uh, which has manifested itself sometimes in funny ways even for my wedding he um were tradition traditionally Steelers fans, so he bought my wife a wifey shirt that has the Steelers on it, and mine said hubby. And I was like, "Hey, Dad, uh, just again, just wanna, <laughs> just wanna have this conversation with you again. I don't want to be a guy, but um, thank you for the shirt." And just he's, oh, "Oh, okay, okay." Like he sees me wearing like suits and ties and all that, and he just like we had to have that conversation over again. But yeah, everybody was fine. Every everybody was cool um about it for the most part. Um definitely not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. But again, I, I didn't have the courage to come out uh when I was in school and when I was growing up. I was very much uh scared that I was gonna get kicked out. Like I thought that was just the thing. So um, yeah, I always had the plan to come out in college and it ended up being okay. It ended up being okay. But yeah, that's my, my coming out story. That is, that is so great to hear. Like I, I hear a lot of coming out stories and it always surprises me when the parents are like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We knew it's great. It's great. Like I, I love, I love hearing it. Like it's not nearly as dramatic as some people would want it to be, but at the same time, it's still so good to hear that. It just got better, even though it takes time for a lot of people, like it 
Oh, God. Some people you will be waiting on for the rest of your life. Like, I spoke to this one woman that it took her mother 17 years to finally come up to her and be like, you know what? I accept you for who you are, and I love you. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a real thing, and it, it takes every uh, time for everyone, and everyone is going to be different. But, uh, yeah, I mean everyone's journey is very interesting. And, and again, uh, you know, mine was, uh, one where I was very much terrified that I would be kicked out. And I saw what was happening to queer kids as I was growing up. And even though, even the ones who did have the courage to be out in high school, I remember we used to have a, a high school. It was, we had it by letter. Um, so D hall was not affectionately called Dyke hall, but it was D hall. Uh. And that was like where, yeah, where all of the queer kids were. So you were either, like kind of a butch or uh, a masculine of center um, uh, queer woman, or you were super femme um, and there was like no in between and even style wise, like that was never my thing. Um, we joke about it on our podcast. I, I consider myself a diet stud or soft stud. And oh that God. wasn't, that wasn't a thing back then. So I was just like, I will stay in the closet. I was like, it just didn't look good either way. I was like, I didn't really feel like I was part of the queer kids that I did see in high school. And, uh, and I knew I couldn't do, you know, come out when I was at home. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The things that we, the decisions we have to make from a young age, uh, because we're queer. I have to admit, I really, really enjoy the name diet stud. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's refreshing. It's, it's, it's clever. Uh, it's, I love it. It's, it's, yeah, we're out Chris... here. Chris definitely introduced me to that one. Gosh, we're out here. How do, how do you guys come across things? Um, actually, this is a great segue into going into your guys's career in doing queer things. Um, I don't even know if I just said queer, like like career and queer together by accident, or if that didn't <laughs> actually happen in my mind, just made it happen. Um, New word. <laughs> either way, that would be great. It's really hard to say, though. Like, my accent just doesn't want to make those letters. So what made you guys want to do things for the queer community? Because I know, I know plenty of queers who actually, they just, they just kind of like to exist, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what, what point did you guys say, no, I need to work for my community. I need to contribute. Chris, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, my... Um... My current role um, with her social app was one that I, um, it was a shoot your shot situation. I um, was working at a job that I hated, um, as many of us do. And I was like, I'm never gonna find anything that I actually care about unless I just like literally look for companies that um, are either part of my identity or part of the things that I believe. So, um, looked up uh, kind of different apps in the area and just um, organizations in the area that I believe, whether that was, you know, black organizations or black owned businesses or, or queer owned or, and all that. So, um, and just kind of uh, look to see what opportunities they had. So um, I reached out to Robin, um, our CEO, probably a year before I was actually hired because I, I tore my Achilles actually when we were supposed to have a, uh, an interview and a talk. Yeah, I know I had just turned 30. Uh, my body failed me, but, um, yeah, I was just, I was just like, it really did. If it, it failed me pretty soon after turning 30. Um, but I just wanted to work and do something that, uh, 
made an impact um, in my life as a queer person or as a person of color. And um, fortunately for me, this job, I'm able to affect change in both of those areas uh, with this this position. So, yeah, I don't think it was it was something that I thought I could do. I I mean, I definitely didn't think as a as a a little queer youth uh, that I would be able to work for a lesbian and queer dating app but here I am and I think that's just kind of uh, a testament to taking chances and and always trying to be in a position that I'm doing something that I actually care about so yeah that's my journey there yeah mine started pretty different Um, I was on a completely different track to being a music therapist and while I was getting my master's degree overseas I came across her because uh, that was shortly after I'd come out. And so I wanted to find ways to get a bit more involved in the LGBTQ plus community so that I could find friends and people that I wanted to connect with. And so I came across her and it had, excuse me, been a bit and I had signed up for just about everything. I signed up to be on their email list and all of their things. And so one day they had sent out an email t- for ambassadors and I had no idea what that meant, but I said, uh, similar to Chris, it was like a shoot your shot moment and to see what I could do because I had time and I wanted to do something that would kind of enhance my identity and allow me to be a part of the community. So I reached out and they were open to me writing blogs since I was overseas and I wrote about my entire experience while living overseas and experiencing pride overseas, which was super fun. And from then on, I continued to do different things for the company as a volunteer. So uh, before they had events in the app, they started to add them. I was reaching out to meetup groups. Also, same thing. Why is this a connection that I also tore my ACL? (laughs) So Chris tore Achilles. I tore my ACL when I was coming before I came back from my master's. And so I was home and I had time. I was like, give me things to do because I just want to fill my time because I worked with kids as well. So with a torn ACL, I couldn't get down on the ground and crawl and do what I needed to. So I was home and they asked me to have events on the app. And then I started doing social media and all of that continued. I moved across the country after I felt better with my leg and started working as a music therapist again, but I was taking on more responsibility with the company. And then one day, Uh, They set me up for a test that I didn't realize was a test. Apparently, I passed that test. And they surprise offered me a job, even though I hadn't even been at my new job for a year. And it would involve me moving to the Bay Area. So clearly, I took that opportunity. And um, it's been one of the best moments ever to be able to, one, continue to do things that could provide a voice to people in that area, like it was amazing to be able to sit and write and hear people's feedback and see them feel seen in the things that were being written, posting content that allows people to see these stories and make them feel better about themselves, uh, which was what I had been looking for and I hadn't really found it. So being able to provide it was great. And then being able to move into this position full time and find new ways to benefit the community and kind of get our voices out there, which is also what inspired us to create the podcast as well. So it had been something I wanted to do for over a year now, but I had never settled on the right topic of conversation. And then Chris came and started working with us and everything just started to fall in place in terms of what we were talking about. Like our day-to-day banter turned into a podcast and we just organized it a little bit. And so it's been like a no-brainer 
to be like, yes, let me give back to the community and be a part of it. Not everybody gets to be in a space where it's just like, yes, everything and everything that I'm doing is literally for the queer community. And it's definitely not for everyone, but I love having this opportunity. And I know that if and when I move on to any other company, I'm going to take all of this with me. And even if it's not a company that is centered around uh, being an LGBTQ plus person, I'm going to bring that part of my identity in a more unapologetic way because I've been able to work in a space that allows me to come and bring myself in every day. So that's that makes me very grateful that I was able to just kind of take this opportunity because I knew I could always be a music therapist. I did not know what other ceilings I could break coming into this space and I took that chance. So that's how I ended up doing the work that I'm doing. <laughs> I am so many questions um unrelevant to the podcast what is a music therapist yeah so a music therapist is a person who utilizes music interventions to help people with different levels of disabilities and so uh, i worked with kids with emotional and behavior disorders as well as kids who experience developmental disabilities and basically you're focusing uh, around it's kind of it's similar to like a type of rehab um, so I'm using music interventions to help them accomplish their non-musical goals so say if somebody had been in a tragic car accident and they were working on walking again I'm going to come in with my music interventions to work on their non-musical goals so if their non-musical goal is to be able to take three steps in a row five different times with less than a five minute break in between I would come up with an activity that would allow them to work toward that goal. And same thing with uh, stroke victims. Say if they ended up being paralyzed on one side of their body, but they're working on getting that back and we're working on speech, then I would sit and create a music intervention, whether that involves singing, playing, moving, dancing, any of that. And that would become uh, the way that we work with people because music unlocks different parts of your brain compared to other therapies. And so... That's what I did as a music therapist, but I worked on more um, emotional and relationship building as well as physical activities, social activities, um, academic activities. So all of the above music therapists work from birth to death uh, with all different backgrounds and levels of abilities and disabilities as well. So you were very much a mystical being is what I just heard. <laughs> Absolutely. There's like pretty like much some sort of superpower there that I cannot fathom in a way, but it sounds <laughs> it sounds absolutely magical. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. I, I mean with that that with the utmost respect too. Like I'm not just I'm just not just cracking jokes. Like that does sound like absolutely remarkable and it's like really fascinating that so back on topic. I just had to I had to nick that, otherwise it was gonna bother me this entire podcast. No, um, thank you. I'm sure my former co-workers would love to be called Magical Beings, so it's perfect. <laughs> Perhaps we should talk a little bit more about what the Her app actually is. Because you said it was like kind of like a dating app, but it sounds like it's a whole lot more than just that. Yeah, so Her is an LGBTQ plus dating and community app. And so what that means is that we have multiple facets that people are able to engage with that not your everyday dating app would provide. So while our main reason that people download the app is to come on a date, similar to coming on, creating profiles, swiping left and, re left and right, um, we also have an in-app community. So that's similar to like a Facebook group or a Reddit group where they can come and join and interact with other queers all over the world. 
Uh, we have an events section where we're hosting multiple events year round. Usually they're in person, but of course, because of COVID-19, we have shifted into an online space. Chris has created amazing calendars of events that range from dance parties to sex therapy to all types of things like any sort of range of event we could come up yeah, with. Yeah, we've done a lot. We've done it. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've done a lot, crazy. yeah. And um, <laughs> and so people can come on whether they are single or taken and be able to engage. And the thing that makes us different from other apps, especially other dating apps, is that we focus around women, trans, and non-binary folks. So we do not have any cisgendered men inside of the app and we like to keep that as a safe space for people to just come and explore and we're always looking to find new ways to connect Ooh, within that space a cis straight male yeah. like how do i say that without like occurring the wrath of straight people <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a great question like first of all we don't care about straight people so no. they can live yeah, and right. it's more so like when the men come through you're going to have them, they're going to be butthurt, and you're just going to be like, this isn't the space for you. You have plenty of spaces. Have a great day. And, and that's all it is. Like, you literally have these spaces. Like, if we were to rank the spaces, they probably have some you, of the best real estate spaces. Yeah, like, you got it. Like, you got Boardwalk, you got Park, Park Place. Place. I was literally about to say it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just let me do me and all that. Yeah. It'll be all right. But yeah, we, we do have people comment about that a lot on the app. And then they also have comments where... Um, they're like, okay, well then if you're saying that you don't allow cis men, are trans men not real men? And we're like, nope, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that everybody's journey is different and if they found community with us before, we're not going to kick them out. So that's kind of where we roll in that. So yeah, you'll you'll definitely encounter it. Just have your clear statements that you're going to repeat and end that discussion is basically the best way that I could suggest <laughs> doing that moving forward. So you guys said that you guys were working with the Her app and then you guys kind of just came together to do your podcast. So did it really just come together organically or this has this been a burning passion for you guys for a while? You yep, want me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is <laughs> definitely a burning passion for me. And I kind of looped Chris in and was like, yeah, you can't say no. <laughs> but these are essentially, the again, like the conversations we already we're having like we mm -hmm. we just yeah we connected uh there's a lot of obviously as, as you've heard like similarities between us and just the the view that we have on the world and everything so um these were like conversations we were already having and it was just like shana's like yeah no this should be a podcast and it's yeah um here we are <laughs> so this is shana's baby and 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 brain child and just the work of her coming up with this, even the, the description, which I tell her are bars, uh, you know, just like rap bars, uh, about, uh, <laughs> coming out of the closet and, you know, being put into the box. I was like, you know, this is all brilliant. So I'm just, um, I'm just lending my voice and everything and just, uh, yeah, just chatting. For the fact that Chris lends voice. Oh. Cause it, it had been one where I was again, like it's been over a year that I've been like, I really want to do a podcast. I think, there's something missing in some of the podcasts that are out there and there aren't that many specific voices, especially queer women of color voices that are out there. And as Chris mentioned, like a lot of you, you hear us banter back and forth all the time. That was us in the office. 
And that is still is us in our conversations. But now that we don't get to see each other every day, it's like we fully look forward to seeing each other every week and just get to talk about the topics that we would normally be talking about. And so when I went through and started planning what we were going to do and how it worked, I was sending Chris lists upon lists of like, how does this order look? How does this feel? Because we were literally looking at, okay, we know what we enjoy talking about, but then what does the community want to hear about? And it helped having us be two people who engage like in our company engage with the community the most because we are actively talking to them all the time through our events, through the community. We are messaging, we are on there. Everybody sees our faces. So we know what the conversations look like as well. So it was really cool to be able to sit and like tie it in. And once we got the green light to be like, yes, you can start planning this podcast. Here's some of your budget and go from there. This is when all of it, started to fall in place. It was definitely a labor. We definitely had multiple ideas at first, but then the one day, especially when we came up with our name, I was literally watching the L word, uh, generation Q and it got to the very, uh, last episode, the season finale. I was like very last episode season finale where, uh, Alice was talking to Roxanne gay and she was asking her opinion and she stopped and she was like, am I a bad queer? And I stopped and was like, that's it. That's it. Like Chris and I sit and we knock these things all the time where we're like, ah, I want to move away from this stereotype and this is stupid and all of these other things. And we joke about things all the time and we get in debates in the office over the most ridiculous stuff. And I was like, we could put this together and make it similar to like, there are bad feminists out there. There are bad queers too. And nobody ever talks about it and nobody ever jokes, but I feel like the queer community is always so serious and always just falls into these stereotypes. But the next generation is coming up and they don't care about these stereotypes and so we should be having conversations around the fact that it's like hey the queer community is full of personalities and people that fall into some stereotypes but also don't and we should be highlighting and celebrating that and telling those stories and so that was kind of what we leaned on once we got the title set and once I threw that out to Chris and Chris was like absolutely I was like yes this is it and once we were able to get that title down it was like everything else that we planned started to fall in place we did some practice sessions figured out which things flowed and then took it from there and here we are we just recorded our 11th episode and we're super excited yeah yeah and I think also to another point to add is that uh with the with being from the black community, we know that there is um, just like respectability is a big part or just what we're indoctrinated in and just a right way to be. And, uh, you know, as women, there's a respectability, too. And then also being queer women uh, and just being queer. I think that there is a respectability uh, and a right way to be gay that we don't talk about enough as a queer community that we're literally kind of putting ourselves in these boxes that we don't want to be in. Um, so just talking about that, where it's just like, you know, you would hear some outrage that goes on. And I know this happens with all of us uh, in the community, but there's definitely some things that some of us are like, mm, I don't think that's a big deal. Or you just disagree and, you know, you don't want to get your head bitten off because it's, you know, we are in the cancel culture time. But I think it is like, even with cancer culture, which I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Um, at all, actually. Uh, I just think, yeah, just just speak your truth. I mean, as long as it comes from a place of like, this is my experience, this is my feeling, I, I don't think anything, any of the takes that we have are malicious um, or we've never tried to be. It's just our honest opinions on on certain things. And it, it's we know that people aren't going to agree. And that's kind of the the beauty of it. Uh, one of our one of our um, 
more interesting, like bad queer opinions. I personally, I love Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. Oh, I literally, I, am... I literally told myself, Erica, do not bring that up during this podcast. <laughs> I was like, you can but absolutely hey, listen, bring it up. Bring it We've up. already talked about bring it. it yeah, we have, you know, we oh. have queer coworkers uh, that uh, definitely, um, you know, was asking us about that. But, uh, you know, my re- my rationale is, again, like, I am a black queer person. Like, if I took that stance with different companies, I, I there wouldn't be a lot of companies I could really actually support. We'd be very and, limited on places ooh, we, we could would. shop and, and go to if Chick-fil-A. we decided to stop doing all of the things that meet all of our intersectionality. <laughs> and we wouldn't have anything left. And I was like, Chick-fil-A is so delicious. Like, I just, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just going to have to... Yes, These that's the sacrifices. I, I will admit that episode was very, very thought provoking for me. Um, <laughs> but, and you know, everybody has something like that that they would probably stand behind where they're like, no, like this is, this is, I love this. Like, or or I understand why people don't. I totally understand why, you know, Chick fil A is my, but personally, <laughs> for me, like we grew up with Chick fil A. I think Chick fil A is a product of opening their mouths but I think if you look at a lot of these companies you would see that they they support things that we don't agree with and because you know we we kind of fall into this like triple threat category like there's other parts of my identity that wouldn't support a lot of country uh companies not countries well countries too probably but companies you know so I don't know I was just like wow that that home of I've joked about it even too with racism like there's some (laughs) I've said it before like the South, like people in the South can cook their ass off. And like somebody before, I, and I didn't make that joke, but it was like, they were like, it's it's the seasoning and the racism. And I was just like, it's stupid. But I was just like, uh, yeah, I could actually kind of see that. I can actually kind of see that. So I don't know. Like I just, Chick-fil-A is not, it's, it's not, yeah, I'm not going to banish Chick-fil-A. I, I definitely, it's just delicious. I can't. I can't. I can't leave it alone. It's delicious. It's delicious. I understand. It's just delicious. I'm sorry. And yes, there are other chicken places too, but not Chick-fil-A. I'll let you have that one because quite frankly, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a very confrontational person. You're not rolling person. with it. I get it. I, I get it. I'm I, just not a confrontational person. And honestly, like every time I open my mouth about things that I don't like, it's so funny like, I, t- I will tell people that I won't eat there. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, well, why? And then, you know, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to shove my opinion in your face. But, like, I don't support them lobbying against gay people. And they're very blatant about it in Texas. Like, it's unfortunate. Like, they don't even hide it at all. Which, okay. But anyway, and then it's like people are always like, wow, why do you have to make it so political? It's just food. And really, that's what makes me mad. I think that's what really makes me mad about the whole thing is that people make it a big deal, even though, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not telling you not to eat there. I'm just telling you why I don't want to eat there. Like, you can, yeah. you go do you, you know? And it's, I think, you know, I feel like there's a lot of unboxing on that issue I need to do. So I'm not even going to, you know, I just let people live their lives. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that is hopefully what we'll get back to at a certain point. And that is the only negative part about like cancel culture or just even how we just kind of have conversations or public discourse is like, it's okay to like agree to disagree. And like everybody's uh, um, experiences are different. Like I, there's probably, you've probably seen things in Texas with your Chick-fil-A's that would probably, you'd be like, absolutely not. Whereas like, I've never had, 
an actual overt bad experience, even though, yes, they, they, they do fun, you know, uh, anti-queer, uh, organizations and everything, but I will, like, I'm not trying to change anyone's mind though, too. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't like when people either way on something like, depending on what it is, like where it's like black or white, um, yeah, like everybody has their own opinion and it's okay to, di- you know, agree to disagree. Like, I think it's, yeah, yeah. if we could just and get into that. That'd be that's fun. the, that's kind of the joy of the podcast is that they, they, we debate just about every time we record, but they also hear us come to like an end yeah. or a conclusion that it's like, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay for me to not agree with your opinion or this or whatever else. And I think as Chris was saying, like head on. People are so into that cancel culture and it's just like, look, not everybody has to think the same way. I was like, the queer community are not sheep and we're not the only people who think this way. So we want to give people also like permission to just be like, hey, this is not going to be a popular opinion, but you're free to do you and free to be you. And that's what we want people to come in and kind of see. Uh, cause as soon as people hear about one company, then they're stressed and they're like, oh shit, here's five other companies that I can't do. And it's just like, they're like, how do I keep up? And then they feel like a bad queer because they haven't been able to keep up with all of these companies, but they've stuck to their guns on these few. And then they're like, oh, well, I didn't hear that. But also this is the only place where like my pants fit or this or whatever. And, you know, and there are so many reasons for X, Y, and Z. We're just giving them an opportunity to be like, Hey, we hear you. We feel you. We're not perfect. And that's coming from people who have this information all day, every day, because that's all we do is look at LGBTQ plus hot topics. Yeah. And so that's why we why we put this out and also just to have a little fun with it. Like so many people take these things as like life or death. And I'm like, it's a fast food chain, y'all. It's okay. <laughs> and <laughs> like that's one thing. But then it's like same thing with other topics. Like we got into debate last week about musicals and I'm very yeah. passionate about it. And Chris hates it. And we yeah. just like we're able to get into debate about it, but I feel like so many people also don't get to see just healthy debates. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no point that I'm flipping a table and walking out like it's the end of Monopoly, you know? Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what it is. And I think people forget how to do that too. So there are, you know, as much as our podcast is fun and lighthearted, we dig into deep topics. We dig into areas that we need to have a queer perspective on. And we're just giving a voice to that and you know there are going to be plenty of voices out there we're just one and we appreciate the fact that people even tune in to listen to our our voices and do that uh but we're just trying to give a space and opportunity for people to be like you know what i'm not perfect yeah. and it's okay <laughs> yeah. and i think that's very 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 beautiful because i think that that is one of the beautiful things about the queer community is that we are so different and then at the same time we do have those things that make us similar like crazy story I spoke to a woman in Australia and our experiences had been pretty much parallel even though she was on the other side of the world she was like 10 20 years older than me and yet we had had very similar experiences in our lives and I think Mm. that's that's the beautiful thing about the queer community is that we have experiences that attach us, but we're still very, very different individuals. Like we could still bring so much to the table. And I think, you know, if we if we all put aside our metaphorical guns, um, <laughs> you know, I feel like we could we could build something fantastic that, you know, the rest of the world probably hasn't seen before because it's too busy dividing itself into who's better and who's not. 
Yeah, exactly. For sure. Then we're going to get to my fun part of the show, which is going to be, um, it is time for the guest-to-guest question. And the guest-to-guest question is when my guest from the last podcast will ask my guest from this one a question without even knowing who each other are or any context about each other. And it's so freaking hilarious sometimes i love this sometimes the questions equal like just come together so perfectly it's it's bizarre because she had no idea who you guys were um Mm -hmm. she's from another podcast that's actually the herb fiction addiction podcast and surprisingly she's my brain twin and best friend who also amazing that that could exist (laughs) in a world where we're like 10 years apart and she's in washington like she's never been to texas it's crazy the world is a fun fun ball of coincidences and miracles really um it is anyway her question to you was what queer stereotype do you fit into perfectly that you just very proudly identify with (laughs) she had no idea i was i was this is a perfect question i know it's good that is a good question oh i know mine We'll say yours. Yeah, you got your. <laughs> well, I don't like, know. Oh. I just wanted to be sure that I was like whatever. <laughs> um, I am the queer stereotype that I fit is that the U.S. Women's National Team is the best team in the whole world for soccer, and I am an avid, avid, avid U.S. Women's National Team fan who is also in love with Ali Krieger, because that's the person that you're going to be in love with on the soccer team. So I follow that sports stereotype. In that mm. all I do is go out and do sports things, and I will do anything for the U.S. Women's National Team. Yeah, I've warned Shana about, who just recently turned 30, that it's a change in your body once you turn 30 to, <laughs> to slow it down. But she's hell-bent on running her body into the ground, so, you know, because she's a sports <laughs> fanatic, so you just got to let her do it. I was like, I play God. soccer, I play flag football, I play indoor soccer, like, I've just... You this, this, probably this... play sports in your dreams in your dreams it's a strong potential yeah it's a strong potential but yeah this pandemic has has knocked back all of my sportsing and watching sportsing and doing sports things but all my group chats about sports are lit so and it's all <laughs> <laughs> that's all it is christ <laughs> um it's like just layers <laughs> it's like god you're so gay yep. um god what what stereotype for me, um, hmm. I, I don't know if this is a stereotype or maybe it's, I, I feel like mine isn't as good of an answer. Shana would probably yell out an answer for me. Um, I am notoriously, or other people will say, I am very much uh, not hard on women at all, just across the board. Like I am a lover of women, regardless of sexual orientation. I would probably defend a woman to the very depths of until I found like out that she was like, okay, no, this is probably her fault. Um, <laughs> so, but I'm also not man hating though either and all that. And I think that gets, especially like my, my, my wife, like before when we were dating, it was like that would come up where I, she would say, I just sound too brash and just like really man hating. And I was like, I'm not, I, I'm just disappointed in them. I was like, do you know, do you know the majesty of women? <laughs> like, <I'm just> like, <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> just like I would have like the dumbest examples. I was like, they're out here playing around with Holly Berry. She's been married four times. She could have one woman and been fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, like I would say the dumbest things. But like I am just like uh, just through and through, just like 
protector of women over just anything. Like I'm, I would probably be the one to be like, well, you know, women have been doing yada yada for like the long, like I'm that person. So I don't know if that's. I mean, I, I totally, I totally feel that. I totally feel that. Like I've had people passionately (laughs) to the end, like where it's like, yo, calm down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I thought you were going to lead into the diet stud one. I was thinking about that, but I don't know. I was like, I guess, I mean, but then diet stud or just even the world of there being like something in between like a masculine or a butch, uh, 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 queer woman, and has just been kind of a relatively new thing. Like, I feel like, especially here in California, like that's a new thing, but definitely the younger generation, like they allow for you to be fluid with your style and how you act and everything. So like, I don't know. I, I didn't know that was a thing until probably the last 10 years that there was even soft studs. And then like, I was just like, oh, okay, I'll lean into that. So the women thing has been around longer, but definitely through and through a diet stud. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I... Yeah, definitely a diet stud. Definitely, <laughs> I do hit those boxes too, Shana. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much. I mean, I've <laughs> I've I've told people before, like women who are curious. I've been like, you should just go ahead and try it out because women can literally check any box. Like, take that metaphorically and not metaphorically. Take it any direction you want to. But I'm just saying, we're not held by such rigorous, rigorous, rigorous standards that men put themselves in. So yeah. women are very fluid in that way. And I've been to- I've been called on more than one occasion a man hater and I I feel for you there cuz it's not it's not that I'm a man hater it's just like they have so many opportunities like, and they just them. flop it and it's just yeah. the world just keeps giving them more opportunities and I just don't feel sorry for them. And I and I wonder if that's yeah. just a level of like is it because we don't have any attraction for them that we don't give them like, like, let's be real. When you have a crush on somebody, they do awful things and you're just kind of like, well, that's, that's okay. Yeah. So I feel yeah. like since we don't really have that much of an attraction for them, they don't have that, that human error that we give I'll to people. I'll forget it too with that where I'm like, um, because that's definitely come up where it's like, um, Oh, well, you, you haven't been in a serious relationship with a man or I've never been sexually intimate with a man. So like, oh, you want to know. But I always looked at it, too. Like, well, then wouldn't that make me more objective? (laughs) (laughs) I would think that I'm not digmatized or anything, you know, digmatized. Um, So, I mean, that's the way. But but it does. I think it is that it's Erica is like the the chances that they're given and just them having like a really shitty percentage of just most things. Like I'm like, y'all are given opportunity after opportunity, you know, and it's, yeah, just, just across the board where I'm just like, my gosh, like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm definitely not a person that's just like that, get them away, like take everything away from them, all the power, like, no, but it's just like, all right, guys, (laughs) seriously, at this point, let's, Let's mix it up. Let's mix it up. Let's give somebody else a shot. It's almost like I feel like this is like a long T-ball line and like guys (laughs) have just been at the plate forever. (laughs) It's like, can you can we just get a couple more people to, you know, cycle through before we we come back? But yeah, I'm that 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 uh, defender at the party for sure. So I feel you, though. So what will be your question for our next guest? Mm. I was going to have it queer related. I was going to say, what is their bad queer opinion? 
And yes. I'm going to ask you, what is your bad queer opinion? Yes. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> all right. All right. I will come out because I think I've, I think I've been real about this. I, I have a background in graphic design. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use it now, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I've, I quite frankly do not like the rainbow flag because oh. the, it's just the colors, <laughs> the colors are very clashy. The colors are very clashy. And when you want to design anything for it, everyone immediately just throws a rainbow in the background. And it's just like, this is not how design should work. I understand that everything, everything has a meaning and it's very, it's very meaningful. And when you know all those meanings, it comes together beautifully. But when you're just looking at it, like, I don't even like rainbows for children. It's just like, this is... Erica, Erica, I could cry. I don't (laughs) understand how happy you've made Chris in this moment with your response, if you couldn't tell by our reactions. Um, I don't know which episodes you've listened to of the podcast, but Chris has brought this up about the fact that the pride flag has too many colors. I don't think I've gotten to that episode yet. (laughs) Yes, I think it was in like our second or third episode. And... Chris has discussed this and it was a whole thing. And we found out that Erica, you are not alone. (laughs) Lots of people. We have posted that bad queer opinion on our Instagram. And a lot of people have commented and been like, Oh my God, somebody needed to say it. Yeah. We could do so much better, Erica. Like we're so creative. Like I know that there is meaning behind all these colors. Great. It has gotten us this far. I just, I'm like, okay, like we can, we could design a better, you know, flag. Like let's, let's take a little gr- like a group vote and just like I don't know. But I, I hate. I just it's like pass. Erica, you just welcome to the bad queer oh, club. That gosh, was your initiation yeah, was... right there. I'm so <laughs> glad. I, I you feel know. so redeemed. And because you're a designer too, because I'm like just speaking like pure aesthetics. I'm like I, I don't like you. I, I told her the other day. I was like I don't even think the pride flag is the better, like queer emoji like the rainbow emoji is better than the pride flag and i don't like either one of them because they're rainbows but still like i would prefer the rainbow emoji over the pride flag emoji like i was like we just we could do better we could do better as a community we're very creative like yeah wow i feel so redeemed right now (laughs) you you were so happy in that moment like that was like a rocky celebration i wasn't quite sure like you both went back and i was like well (sighs) this is gonna be what it's gonna be like i don't know if that was an anger or if that was like hallelujah there's no telling erica i feel so light right now i feel so light reaction (laughs) i was like i was trying to keep my audio down so we didn't interrupt you (laughs) and get it off your chest in this safe space but chris Chris is the happiest right now. You've absolutely made Thank her day. So much. I just, yeah. I mean, it's just how, like, I feel like we could do so much more. And they keep adding new flags and the colors just keep clashing and clashing and clashing. Like, I want a space for everybody. But at the same time, I'm like, can we, we have shows. We have so many shows about gay men going into people's lives and fixing them with their fashion sense. I'm like, where is that fashion sense with these flags? Where? <sighs> my gosh <laughs> this is a whole sermon erica like honestly i just this like is this is it. my gosh that is uh, we're out there and we're out there we're, we're a growing community but we're out there within the community like, i was just, like if yeah. this didn't prove why we made the podcast this is it <laughs> exactly this was it <laughs> that was perfect wow yeah i am so look i am so full but i am so light now i just <laughs> <laughs> it's so good 
That's awesome. Okay. So for the next section, which is going to be our recommendation section. So (laughs) this is the part where you guys will recommend something to our listeners, just something that you're really enjoying right now that you want to share with someone. It, It doesn't have to be TV. It doesn't have to be like media at all. It could even just be something as delicious as a exquisite slice of bread that you had that you just can't get over. Like, go for it. Hmm. I just finished reading all uh, Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. Um, That was a great book. Uh, And then The Gay Agenda, which is a history um, illustration book by, I don't have the authors, I have to look it up, but it is a an illustration history illustration book just on queer history and it is amazing as just a coffee table piece and book let me look up the author as well yes. Shana, you, you could like say yours you could like send me the link would be even better because honestly i've okay. tried to like spell out people's names and it's just not my forte i'm not i'm <laughs> yeah. not good at grammar english any of that just <laughs> it's just not I a thing you. in my book yeah, you had to take both the books, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, they were both great books. I know they were, but I was going to take one. <laughs> oh. uh, recommendations, recommendations of things. What have I, what have I like shouted out lately? That's what I'm trying uh, to think. Hollywood, I something. little fires everywhere. You shouted out some. Oh yeah, you shout out mine was again? allotted like. TV shows and brands. Yeah. Ooh, the brands. Yeah, you've wa- you've gotten through a lot more TV shows in this. I have um, quarantine than I have. Like, there's have. a lot out there. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with brands. I'm gonna go with a brand. So one that I'm into right now, especially going into Pride Month, and it is queer women of color owned are uh, Lucky Skivvies. These are mm-hmm. these gender neutral um, boxers and underwear and things like that, and they are the most comfortable things I've ever worn. I have unicorn ones and they're great. And the person who runs them is amazing and they do it part-time, but it's like the stuff that they put out is actively incredible. And I just love supporting queer owned brands. So I would shout out Lucky Skivvies. Yay. And I'm always, I'm always like ready to hear about queer owned stuff. Cause I, I hear about everything at least a week after it's irrelevant. That's, that's <laughs> what I tell people. Like I live. I love like a week after it's irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's generally what happens. It's always like, I never hear like, you know, the, like the, like, like, you know, um, national pansexual day or national lesbian day i always hear about those days literally the day after it happens like somehow <laughs> it comes around my feet at exactly midnight that it was that day and i'm just like gosh dar-. like where is the calendar for this like we yeah. have a flag for everything where is our calendar that tells me where these days are please <laughs> god someone help me i feel like i need to go ahead and publish my calendar of this because i oh, i yeah, you took me everything. a couple of years to put it all together but i have a calendar of these dates they fluctuate a bit but um most of them yeah i have those ready but it did it took some time and i just need to i need to like source that out to people or something somehow (laughs) yeah i can't wait till you guys get around to talking about fandom because i would also like to hear about that on your guys's takes Mm, on on fandom just in general or maybe i think very specifically like um like girl ships like i i will hear about a tv mm-hmm. show 
and people oh, like will people people will always put things. the gifts together to where it looks like a relationship's actually freaking happening and they will ship them so hard and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, cool. I should watch that show." And then I get around to it and they were never actually together. <laughs> yeah, they do. There's a few shows like, where I, they do do that real well. I hate that so much cuz it's just like, "Oh, come on. I wasted my time on the show and it wasn't even real." Yeah. Like I know there's a That's data so there's a database that exists. Um it's Tumblr. It's... Tumblr does it. it is, <laughs> um, I was actually, Tumblr. That is Tumblr what it is. It is like Tumblr with Once Upon a Time. They have oh god, those god. so well. I hate to it. Make it seem like, and then like with Klexa, that actually ended up like them being together. But I was like, oh my god, I and I kept seeing it, and I was like, no, there's no way they get together. I know it's one of those fandoms that do that. But then when I saw Once Upon a Time, I had hope, and then when I watched it, and I was like, well, nobody's getting together. There's just a lot of tension. This is great. I, I just They've done it so again. Much. Like there's there's an actual database. It's called Les Watch TV and they actually they actually categorize every queer woman that's like ever on TV. And they do this. They do this all the time. Like they're fantastic women. I've interviewed them multiple times. I love them. I would suggest checking out their stuff because they work so hard. Like they watch everything and they tell you if it's like they have a scale on if it's good representation or not. Um, like, are the, and they have, like, a lot of different factors. They tell you what all the tropes are. They'll tell you if they died. <laughs> so you can, like, wow. not do it. They even have, like, an entire... You could not do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just not do it. Like, I've, I, have, I have missed a hard bullet multiple times, unlike those main characters. So I didn't have to have the emotional trauma. <laughs> and, That's so like, funny. I follow even, them. Yeah, they even... On- they even have like their statistic charts are actually really fascinating because they will tell you how many queer characters have died in a year so you can oh, see it wow. and they're wow. like they're like really serious about it they're like really fantastic women they they design their own website they're actually really fantastic anyway i will shout them out till the day i die they're awesome yeah that's amazing mm-hmm. nice. queer i got TV them followed got them yes. on there they are they are awesome awesome um what was I getting at? I got carried away. <laughs> but I love, I'm, I was so happy I got to speak to you guys today. You guys are so, so awesome. And I'm so excited to have your, your voice in the ether. Cause sometimes it feels like screaming into a void, but I'm so glad to have your voice here. Cause it's so, oh, it's so important you. to have different sides. Cause I know a lot of the queer podcasters and I know a lot of the people who do stuff like this. And I am a very firm believer that there will never be enough queer voices. There will yeah. never be enough because there's so many different people out there and there's so many different people who are waiting to not feel alone. You know, they're just waiting to find somebody who will validate them. They're waiting to find somebody who will make them feel like that they're going to be okay. And, you know, we will never have enough voices to fill that void. But we can sure as hell try. Wow, Erica, all right with the... <laughs> that was... Right? Really like, that was just... <laughs> like, goodness, Erica, that was great. It was like, first of all, all the emotions. I saw it, like, right. filling. I saw it, like, you had already filled her. This was round two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I've had a lot of time to think about this. Because I mm-hmm. have been in that space for so long of not... Because I'm like, I'm like the only queer person in my family. I'm Mm -hmm. the only, I'm literally the black sheep. And it turns out I was the rainbow sheep. Um, (laughs) It took me like a long time to even meet another queer person. Like I was in Mm -hmm. college before I ever ran into another person that openly identified as queer. Right. 
and you know it's been it's been an adventure and even then you know I've lived in small towns where I still feel like I'm probably the only queer person in this complex which is probably not true because they like they hide they're sneaky yeah we're, like, we're everywhere <laughs> yeah we're we're everywhere and it's still it's just finding your people mm-hmm. you know so I think about it a lot sometimes yeah no yeah. very well said and yeah it's it, it I think to your point of um there's not enough queer voices and visibility like we we are in a time where we can just pull it up and it's almost too much queer content but that's like there's no such thing as too much queer content so yeah we're just like living in a time where um you know if, if you know some of the things that I say can uh inspire others to create uh in the space then do so or just yeah change in perspective or just a laugh or just yeah anything so um yeah I'm I'm happy to be doing this podcast with Shana and even just be having access to um, folks like yourself and, and yeah, just, just being able to reach different audiences and everything because we're all queer fam. We're fam. We're fam fam. fam. So we're fam fam. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, Thank um, you for having us. This is your time. Is to super sh- fun. Shout out anybody if you want to or anything. Uh, what would I shout out? Um, Probably the shout outs we had even earlier on our podcast, just keeping it going with just like Black Lives Matter, since it's mm-hmm. it's timely um, and everything Absolutely. as as an organization. Um, we were talking about just the, you know, it being able to go from an organization that was like the American Al-Qaeda at the first time that it came out and those queer, three queer women who founded Black Lives Matter, just keeping with it and just where it is today um, and just getting that respect it, it should have had from the, the beginning um, but yeah, they stuck with it and they, their, their message was true and, you know, people have, are now seeing that. So, you know, and, and they're black queer women. So just, you know, a testament just to the power that we have. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Black Lives Matter as an, an organization and yeah, everyone who supports. Absolutely.